Hello and welcome to WNHH's C-Click Fix Radio, the morning after the miracle in Michigan. Anyone, I don't know if there are any 1969 Miracle Mets fans out there, but I am feeling the vibe of that 69 Mets season with what's happened in the presidential campaign, but we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about the nuts and bolts of rebuilding cities. I'm Paul Bass, welcoming you to another of our weekly looks at what's happening at the grassroots underneath the mass media radar in our community, as well as in cities across the country through the lens of the C-Click Fix problem-solving website. Joining me, as always, are C-Click Fix's Caroline Smith and Ben Berkowitz with the latest citizen-powered news. In a few minutes, we're also going to start talking to Samantha B. Wolf. She's an interim senior strategic planner. Gets four names in her title, which I guess is average these days in government, for the Gainesville Florida city government. And we should also mention that today's program was made possible in part thanks to support from Yale New Haven Hospital. So Caroline, let's get right down to the news. What's the latest news in Gainesville, Florida? So we have an issue titled Other, which has been acknowledged by the city of Gainesville. The reporter is Surf Rider One, which makes you think who is the original Surf Rider. Viewed 30 times. Well, is one often the, maybe somebody else claims it after mm-hmm. the original one, so the original puts one on again? Or exactly. is it, how does that usually work? I don't know. I, I wish I was surf rider one. Though. That's how you do you surf. I feel the same. I, a little bit badly. Do you surf, yeah. Caroline? I I wish. Yours. Rocket Power was one of my favorite shows growing up. Because the idea of me surfing is pretty bizarre. Is it? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> can't even picture it. Let's go surfing with Paul this summer. That sounds perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what is surf rider? We got a little off track. What's surf rider one? Okay. Uh, Lucy Gelman nod of approval. <laughs> <that one>, <laughs> yeah, 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 the yeah. highest honor. <laughs> Uh, description every weekend they have a garage sale this has been going on for months they i like that intonation of they mm-hmm. or oh, they are often up to stuff they even dug a hole on city property at the end of the street to put a wooden sign each weekend for the garage sale and now they are selling garlic crabs out of their house okay so we have a lot of questions here like what are yeah. garlic crabs are garlic i really crabs? want to know what garlic crabs are and what are, what's the complaint yeah so it looks like the complaint is that they Someone in their neighborhood or someone at 555 um, Northwest 31st Avenue it has a garage sale um, uh, permanently and it looks like maybe it has a business that also sells food. I mean, this is my big question, too, because in Kentucky... When does a garage sale become a, so, ex- a business? Exactly. Yeah, so many questions. When does garage sale become a business? What are garlic crabs? Um, yeah, uh, I'm not sure. When, what are you going to say about Kentucky? Because that's where you're from, Carolyn. Oh, well, we, we always used to have in our neighborhood like garage sales once a month and it was a scheduled thing that everyone did at the same time oh. but i was always confused why you couldn't do it necessarily every single day hmm. um and whether or not new haven or gainesville has those kinds of regulations i just went our garage sales regulations and why are they regulated well luckily we have samantha online samantha b wolf from gainesville florida welcome to the show can you hear us samantha Samantha, you're typing. You wanna you wanna come on the show? Hi, I'm here. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, your your connection's breaking up pretty bad, so I'm Uh-oh. not able to hear what you guys are saying much. <laughs> um, do you want to try looking at where your connection? Uh, well, what should she look at, Lucy? I'm directly connected through my phone. I can hear you guys now. Okay, now. Okay, well, welcome. Now, we had a bunch of questions yeah, for you, Samantha. Yeah, let's try again. <laughs> okay, so down in Gainesville, Florida, 
The news is that there's someone who's driving neighbors crazy with the garage sale. We're not quite sure why. What um are you familiar with this complaint? I've looked into it a little bit. Yeah. What you so, find out? So what I've heard is that um you know citizens can always have yard sales in the city of Gainesville. Um I think when uh, neighbors may start having the perception that they're happening too frequently, or it may be a more formalized business activity that can raise a concern in a residential zoned area. So our code enforcement department will investigate, and I believe that's they're in the process of looking into this specific issue as we speak to kind of get a feel from the neighbors of if there's a perception that it's a more formalized business. And if it is, then there will be some um, requirements that will have to be met so that they fit into um, being able to operate in that type of manner in a residential zone district, which may or may not be allowable depending upon what's actually happening over there. Samantha, is there anything in your code in the local law in Gainesville, Florida, about how often a garage sale can take place before it becomes something else? Um, not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. So I couldn't spe- speak specifically to that. What are garlic crabs? <laughs> I don't know. Wait a second, Sounds you're down there in Gainesville. <laughs> They're selling garlic crabs. <laughs> Since I only had coffee this morning for breakfast, that sounds pretty great. So I'm not mad about it. You're an, you are also a coffee for breakfast uh, person? I am. Right. I am, unfortunately, and it's 11 o'clock. So have I'm you guys a been reading about these? Tea. Have you been writing about these fast diets that are the big range now that people are saying you can have no breakfast outside of coffee or something, that you eat all your calories in six hours a day, or you go five days of eating oh. and two days? With that, it was big. They had a big thing in the New York Times just about this research being done. It's prolonging the um, health and life of animals that it gets tested on, mm. and it gets them skinnier and healthier, converts your fat to some other kind of um, uh, element that that does better with your body. But that is controversial and it's being tested on humans. So you you might be ahead of the curve, Samantha. You we might are, not need those garlic crabs. Samantha and I are both animals. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> All right. Well, um, well, Caroline, do we have other news coming out of Gainesville, Florida on C-Click Fix? We do. I think Ben and I are going to ping pong it back and forth. You want to do one? Yeah, absolutely. Gainesville, Florida, street calming device request, 4,329 Northwest 27th Terrace, Gainesville, Florida. It has been viewed 13 times. It was reported on March 8th. And here is the description from Kurt, Civic Points 430. I am requesting the city install a speed hump in the 4330 block of Northwest 37th Terrace. Vehicles speed down the street far in excess of the posted 30 mile per hour limit. This is a street that school kids use on bike and foot to go to Norton, as well as animals in the neighborhood. I also request GPD do a speed check to enforce the speed limit. Um... And let's see. So uh, also on March 8th, quick response by 311 Gainesville. Uh, the issue was assigned to the office of the city manager. Uh, the office of the city manager assigned the issue to Public Works. Uh, and here we have a response from Public Works. The city's Public Works is in receipt of your request. Install a speed pump in the 4300 block of Northwest 37th Street. 
We have entered service request number 2711 to have traffic operations staff investigate and address. By email, we will have forwarded this request to our traffic operations manager and supervisor to respond to your request. We will so notify GPD of the concern for speeders. If you desire to speak with PW Traffic Operations, please call 334-5070. Thank you for reporting and making Gainesville a better place to live, work, and play. There we go, that nice touch they always have about like thanking you for being a citizen who complains. Samantha, we were talking last week uh, with Andreas Addison in Richmond, and we were reading some of the issues reported in Gainesville, and we were commenting that the response from your 311 department, Public Works, uh, the city <laughs> as a whole is at like peak civic response level. Um, and if we could get everyone to communicate in this fashion with their residents, I think we'd be living in a better place to live, work, and play. Samantha, do you get involved you. in how they respond? Are you involved in that language? Because as Ben noted, it's not common to hear this effusive thanks that given to people. Mm -hmm. That seems pretty genuine that they're sending oh, in information that's going to help you. Are you involved in that? Do you actually sit around and talk about how you word your responses to people on C-Click Fix? Yes, I've helped facilitate um, a small group to to craft how we professionally respond to our citizens um, so that we do communicate our true concern for their issue um, in the best way possible to have a real open conversation with them mm. um, and give them as much feedback and insight about what's happening as possible, um, and but maintain some level of professional consistency across how we respond and, and communicate through the C-ClickFix app. So did you sit and say, when you respond on C-ClickFix, make sure you thank them and that you acknowledge that we think this is helping us do our job better rather than, oh boy, okay, I'll get to it, you're on my back? Yes, we did. That was a very intentional decision for us to show our appreciation for them, our citizens, making us aware of an issue and to um, let them know that, you know, we're going to do as much as we can to look into it, whether it's something we can directly resolve or not. We're at least going to um, appreciate you for sharing with us your concern and do as much as we can and let you know how much we can do. And of course, so that, that kind very of intentional. Of course, that's a sincere acknowledgement goes miles toward making people feel acknowledged and heard. And then, of course, you have to deliver substance. So what happened right. here? Were you able to uh, get resolved this issue? So um, it looks like that per our traffic operation or manager's response, that we currently have a moratorium on installing new speed humps. So at this time, um, and I'm not sure about the history of why we have a moratorium on installing new speed humps, so at this time we're not able to do that type of traffic calming measure. But there are other ways that we can assist, and I, it looks like that's um, what we're going to be looking into next. We can't directly do what they suggested, but there might be other opportunities for us to do something different to help address their concern. Now, what? Uh, why do you have this moratorium? I don't know. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I was Sorry, listening I'm closely to... definitely not all-knowing, so you might <laughs> no, it's the okay. wrong girl. <laughs> okay. But one of the great things is that mm -hmm. in the response... Um, 
uh, there is a link that says, I would encourage you to look at this link, and it's um, on Gainesville's uh, Granicus site. Granicus is uh, uh, an application that documents uh, city council minutes. Um, and so if we were to take the time, we could read through a uh, pretty long um, PDF of where uh, this was actually approved. Exactly. And not only that, it says in the response in the comment, you can check out the video and in um, Emmanuel P, who is the commenter from the city uh, public work says you can watch the video from 655 to 743 to see various perspectives from stakeholders, um, including emergency response, police, public works and city leaders, just to say that he actually pinpointed the exact minute. So that's what I'm wondering. This and this is great. I'm wondering, Samantha, because we've had that debate here in New Haven. So we are also talking a lot about traffic calming. That's big here. And people worried about the kids getting run over or just crossing the street. And um, we've done some humps. And they seem to slow down traffic. They also seem to break cars. Now, that's your fault if you're going too fast. Mm -hmm. But some people have complained when they go up that they are harming the cars and making you get kind of a, a nauseating ride. You know, your stomach goes up and down. What are some of the other things you look at? We've looked at roundabouts, which I saw a roundabout combined with a hump did amazing work on a road we have called West Park Drive that because of its design, um, it West Park Road, excuse me, that it, it, it was such a, a, high, a mini highway in a residential neighborhood. What other measures are you looking at in Gainesville, Florida to calm the traffic? Um. I would have to look into that for you a little bit. Um, I'm not sure specifically uh, related to this issue what additional measures that they're looking into. into. So, what, what unfortunately, kind of... I'm not an expert in traffic calming, so um, I, I can't help you a lot there. I apologize. No, that, that's fine. And government is uh, government's a big place with a lot of responsibility, so we don't expect you to have all of the context, but I mean, wh when you, when you personally are traveling around Gainesville, what are you seeing in terms of, um, pedestrian traffic calming measures, in-road pedestrian signs, um, and, you know, anything that's kind of unique or, or, um, uh, in place that, that wasn't in place a couple of years ago. Have there been any visual changes that you've noticed? Um, for, we do have some, uh, newer, things happening for where pedestrians cross, mm. um, some additional lighting, uh, caution lighting kind of being placed so many feet above where or ahead of where pedestrians are crossing to hopefully bring some greater awareness that this is a high traffic path for pedestrians or bikes um, crossing major roadways. So, uh, subconsciously that should uh, cause you to slow down hopefully and calm traffic slightly of course roundabouts um, you know yield signs more present speed humps um, well not at this time not new speed humps at this time but uh, yeah that's probably what I've been seeing around yeah I mean it's interesting that you say of course speed humps because this is one of those things that you all take for granted, which is excellent. Uh, but th as Paul's pointing out, that's actually novel uh, in New Haven. And that's something we're just seeing for the first time. Well, we're taking for granted that you're listening to C-Click Fix Radio on <laughs> WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio, broadcast at 103.5 FM and live streamed at newhavenindependent.org. 
We're talking C-Click Fix Radio News today with Caroline Smith and Ben Berkowitz of C-Click Fix and Samantha B. Wolf, who's been gracious enough to take a break from her work as Senior Strategic Planner for Gainesville, Florida, and to join us today. So, Caroline, what else is going on in Gainesville according to C-Click Fix News? Sure thing. So we have some trash and debris on public property Uh uh, at 4343 West Newberry Road. Uh, The reporter is Rob Robbins. Um... Uh, description, a fair amount of refuse, some appearing to be medical, um, i.e. latex gloves, litter the area around and behind the dumpster of Southeastern Integrated Medical. This distribution of this trash now includes a portion of city-owned John Mahone Nature Park. Um, And it looks like it was acknowledged quickly uh, by Gainesville, and they hopped on and said from the Public Works Department, Solid Waste Inspector Olivias responded to 40... 300 Newbury Road and spoke with management and maintenance personnel to ensure that the containers are secure to prevent overflow. She will revisit Wednesday, March 9th, to see that the area has been cleaned up as requested. Thank you again for reporting. And Rob Robbins hopped on quickly after that and said, kudos, Agent <laughs> Olivias. I just revisited the he site. He said K-U-D-O-S? Mm-hmm. So he's picking a play on her name. <laughs> oh, no, 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 <laughs> kudos. No, 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 okay, um, I just revisited the site evening, March 8th. Uh, and it is 90% cleaner. Still Ooh. a mess of cigarette butts around the rear of the dumpster and cigarette pack cellophane, which blows all over, but not in the park. And the trash in the park was the prime complaint. Fast response, nice work. Well, how do you feel about that, Samantha? Oh, I'm so proud of Inspector Olivis at Solid Waste. That's awesome. Quick response. And also really encourage that our citizen, Rob Robbins, who... Uh, submitted the issue, took the time to come back and say thank you to our staff that Mm. really made an effort to respond quickly and do the best that they could. So um, not only, you know, kudos to the inspector, kudos to the citizen for letting us know that they appreciate some of the work that we did. Samantha, what exactly do you do as strategic, uh, senior strategic planner? How do you, I, I get the sense from listening to you that you coordinate, that you hear what citizens are bringing in, and then you make sure it gets the right places in government and how they follow through in response. Is that an accurate way to describe what you do? Sure. That's pretty pretty close. Um, I assist kind of our city commission in facilitating the development of a strategic plan, so setting our goals and priorities for the year and how we then bring that into the organization and adjust our operations to meet the goals and priorities that they share. Um, and then I also help to coordinate our citizen engagement efforts. Oh, okay. So C-Click Fix really fits nicely into that umbrella and helps us um, have another way, another opportunity for our citizens to connect with us. Uh, but it also helps us streamline, not just have citizens have to come in person call, but kind of streamline in these online email requests through this one system. Um, so that's kind that's of a big issue for governments things. around the country. How do we use tools to see click fix is one of the better known tools, but how do we use different tools and different thinking for how to connect citizens and government for both ends of the equation. So citizens right. can be heard better and government can use that information better. And that's, so you had an actual effort called the citizen engagement effort. Is that the name of of a formal name? Capital C, capital E, capital E? (laughs) No, (laughs) but we have a um, recently launched citizen centered Gainesville initiative, which is a local 
kind of grassroots effort that came from um, some really interested citizens to encourage us to think about everything that we do, every program, service we provide, uh, form that's available on our city's website, front door entry point for our citizens, whether that be a physical front door or a virtual front door, that we design those from a citizen's point of view. And so that is goes a little bit beyond our engagement efforts, kind of not just um, engaging and hearing our citizens, but making sure that we're truly listening and mm-hmm. designing things that best meet their needs, our processes, our, like I said, our virtual and in-person front doors. So the local initiative here is called Citizen-Centered Gainesville, um, and then separately, I I mentioned I helped kind of facilitate some of our engagement and outreach efforts. And so that just is um, a complement to that Citizen Center Gainesville initiative and helps to also get us out of City Hall, get us out of our uh, kind of comfy chairs in our buildings downtown and actually into our community where makes most sense for our citizens. So in addition to these online opportunities for our citizens to engage and connect with us, we're going to be getting out into our community, attending some fairs and festivals over the next couple weeks, um, doing a telephone town hall, going out to some uh, local neighborhood meetings to engage and hear from them before we start going down our budget development workshops that are coming up in the late spring summer. So that's another part of our citizen-centered Gainesville to get out of our comfort zone and get go into actually into our community, go where our citizens are, meet them where they exist today. Don't expect them to come to us. Now, where does citizen-centered Gainesville where is it housed? Is it in City Hall or is it a private group? You said it was started by citizens. Is that an entity? Is it a 501c3? No, it's a it's a working team here at City Hall. Um, it started out of a committee. So there was a committee that uh, was staffed and uh, different members were appointed by our city commission or elected board. They all made up of of different community leaders. So we had leaders from our business community, our university community. There were, I believe, uh, over 20 members of this board that delved into kind of what they defined as the big idea for Gainesville and said, what if your local government, what if our local government actually designed everything that we did from the point of view of who our users are, that mm-hmm. we helped ensure that we had the best user experience of any city. And to do that, we need to get into our community, be where our citizens are, um, and really have easy opportunities for them to connect with us, whether it's through a C-Click Fix mobile app or whether it's us, you know, actually meeting with them in person at their neighborhood crime, crime watch group. So that's kind of the impetus for that initiative. And we have a team here and City Hall that is working on bringing it into the organization operationally and also enhancing our citizen engagement efforts to support it. So one thing that's 
thrilling about this. I'm just reading this article that says Gainesville aims to be the most citizen-centered city in the world. That's and it includes awesome. actually this one. Uh, one says that plans to create a department of doing for business startups that could make Gainesville a hub for diverse businesses, mm. uh, which I think is awesome. I think one thing that's impressive is I think a lot of projects initially start with outcome and then don't always think of a lot about process. Mm. And all that I've heard that you talk about is process. And I think that is huge and incremental in fact probably the best project in the world don't separate means and ends but make sure that the means and ends are actually the same thing but i do want to hear a little bit about outcome if if gainesville did become the most citizen-centered city in the world for you samantha what would that look like what would gainesville look like sure so yeah i'm glad that you touched on that caroline because we have the wonderful opportunity of idea that national or internationally reclaimed design firm coming to Gainesville to work with this committee. And they brought the design thinking process here. Mm. So we have um, had several staff that have been working to implement that in the organization, which is not having the end goal in mind. Instead of trying to have a preset or predefined end result, get connected with your users, for us, that's our citizens, and say, how can we design this process? How can we redesign the way that you interact with us so that we meet your needs and let their perspective lead the definition of what that end goal or end result looks like? And so that's very new for local government. That's very new for Gainesville to have approach a process, approach a method from a design thinking strategy. Um, so I, I hate to predefine what we're going to look like because that's a good mm, yeah. yes. But I, I hope that we have a change in perception. So um, ultimately, for me personally, that would mean that our citizens feel like we hear their needs consistently, that we work to address them. We can't resolve everything. We can't um, be the direct drivers of all change, but we certainly can be the facilitators of a lot of change. And so I hope that the perception of who we are from our citizens' point of view changes to um, to know that we're available. We see that the perception is, is that we're open and that just like you enjoy going into um, your favorite technology store and being connected with a genius immediately who mm. just knows how to navigate the system and help you get to your end goal, I hope that our citizens are able to have that same type of experience with Gainesville as a local government, no matter what they're doing, whether they're signing their um, young kid up for swimming lessons in the summer or they're one of our senior residents trying to um, connect with our Uber transportation program. So whatever, whatever it may be, may it be the best possible experience you could have and you they go around and tell everyone about it. <laughs> I, I love this, Samantha. I mean, one thing I, I wanted to point out is that um, – this is the public sector, like in many cases ahead of the private sector, because the private sector is just starting to execute on design thinking. Um, mm -hmm. And I actually wrote a, a medium post uh, or a blog post a, a few weeks back about um, city planners as the chief product officer. Uh, and I brought up a lot of these concepts uh, that you mentioned. Um, and, and, you know, I heard you effectively quoting uh, the, 
the now famous Eric Reese of the Lean Startup Methodology, effectively saying, get outside the building. Um, and we've been thinking about this a lot at C-Click Fix as we design our system, um, you know, having, having these user-centered uh, um, groups where we're interviewing users to understand how they're using the system, but also not just how they're using the system, and you touched on this, but like how they are going through their own lives because the system is not an ends to a means. It needs to fit within um, the system being a software system or government needs to fit within the architecture of an individual's life. And um, I, I, you are the first government official I've heard really articulate mm -hmm. that so well. Um, I, it would be hard for me to envision a world where you, where Gainesville does not end up um, at, at something close to what you were looking to achieve. Uh, it seems like this could be something really replicated across the country and across the world. Speaking of across the country, Ben Berkowitz, what news do we have in C-Click Fix in New Haven, Connecticut, our home city here? Yeah, absolutely. How about a noise complaint at 59 Pendleton, Pendleton Street, uh, viewed 75 times, reported by Glinda with a G, uh, to, was reported on my birthday, March 6th. And Happy uh, birthday again, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, there was a little <laughs> bit of self-promotion for my birthday, unintentionally. <laughs> it's hard to like read your own birthday and not mention that. <laughs> I don't have that level of humbleness. Um, uh, so let's see. Uh, recent neighbors, about six to seven months, are apparently musicians in a band and use the house to practice, rehearse, slash entertain. The mm. volume of the music mm -hmm. at concerts slash club hall levels every day mm. random time sometimes for several hours continuously until as late as midnight i've made two or three police noise complaints however to no avail they are truly in violation of noise ordinance for this residential area i'd like to know how they or the property owner can be formally notified of the noise complaints and the consequences what what street was that again ben pendleton street all right so what was you the know where pendleton is? yeah and there's actually an underground music venue, I think, on that street. You did a story about this. Uh, yes, I remember. Oh, uh, this is actually right around the corner yeah. from the traffic calming. So this is what happens. You calm traffic. But you uncalm the right. earbuds. All right. Right. Then the bands come in and the party you know, starts. I feel very mixed about it because across the street from us, there's a house that's sometimes a problem in the house because mm. some of the southern students they went to are pretty rude. Yeah. But they had this band playing pretty much at night till about 11, practicing a lot and very loud. And I kind of liked it. Like I thought, yeah. I, I heard yeah. this guy starting to get his groove night after night with totally. this sort of jazz mm -hmm. guitar yeah. playing. But I understand that sometimes, you know, you do have to sleep and some people have kids. And in fact, the people sold their house next door because <laughs> they're right. a little kid. <laughs> so what happened on the follow-up here? So we actually don't have a follow-up yet. Let me just uh, refresh here and, and check myself. Because but I know the issues they have to catch. So the first thing that happens is the police can come while it's on if they do show up and they can tell the people to turn it down. Right. They have to get a measurement. To cite someone, I believe they have to get a measurement of how many decibels it is if it goes over a decibel level. But short of that, there are two ways. You have the um, the police who can deal with you know a, a disruption. Mm. And then you have the LCI, Livable City Initiative, which is our neighborhood's anti-blight organization. They can go and deal with landlords about problems between. So the answer to that person is you contact your neighborhood specialist at the LCI. You go on the city website. City New Haven website, go to Livable City Initiative, forget that the, the they list the neighborhood representative you have. And if you go to your neighborhood management teams, means you see the person there, but you could get the message to them and follow up with them. And of course, see click fix, because they do, which this guy did, which was, was a good first step. Although I don't know who I'm rooting for here. You know, 
I, I'm kind of on the fence too, and I, you know, it, it gets back a little bit to um, this kind of citizen-centered, user-centered design, right? Um, mm. You know, if we actually look to the noise ordinance, it probably reflects um, something that might not be, might not work with the In way the people city. think about our city today. But on the other hand, it is a family neighborhood, and you do right. have kids, and they do need if, if they're not able to sleep all night, everyone's miserable. Right. Or if you have to get up for work at five in the morning and it's 11 at night, it is kind of nice if you can go to sleep. Wait, yeah. Ben, can you go into that more? What, yeah. do you, what do you think it's identifying that's potentially broken? Well, I, it's, yeah, it's hard to know if something is actually mm -hmm. broken, right? I mean, um, we, when you have next door neighbors, um, there's this, kind of tension between being able to express yourself and mm -hmm. satisfy your own needs and desires and also and respect your yeah and they do even have, don't they even have drum kits now that you can hear and other people can't yeah, hear that's right i mean technology right. is helping us here yeah no, what, absolutely what about gainesville florida samantha have do you come across different competing goals of different citizens the way this complaint reflects I'm sorry. Can you say that one more time a little do bit you, louder? Do you, do you get complaints like this in Samantha in Gainesville? Are, are rock bands keeping the neighborhood up? <laughs> well, you know where you have a um, pretty large university here in Gainesville? Right. Um, the University of Florida. So we have a great student presence um, and some strong student neighborhoods that mm. I'm sure get noisy, especially during different times of year. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think actually uh, Ben brought up a really interesting perspective of, um, you know, we talk about designing things, designing policies, like what is considered excessive noise from the perspective of our users. But we do have to keep in mind the the kind of neat challenge that local government gets to deal with, which is we have um, in Gainesville 100 and, you know, almost 130,000 different users that have unique needs that think about things a little bit differently. So um, this is a really interesting one where maybe we need to have a little bit of flexibility in our, you know, policy or ordinances to kind of meet the needs of that community. Mm. Right. So, uh, the should we have one standard excessive noise limit for the entire city and our you know roughly 64 square square miles or should it be a little bit flexible depending upon what each unique community wants and is comfortable with i think so that sounds like that sound like rhetorical question to me samantha right right i think i know your answer on that one the latter right <laughs> <laughs> and you're doing a neighborhood strategic plan. That's what, right? You're doing a strategic plan for the whole city. So I'm guessing you're going to be looking at that. We we will. We um we have a strategic plan that exists today, but we're working to really overhaul it and make sure that we're getting the perspectives of everyone in our community and and doing things a little differently to meet everyone's different needs. Gainesville was once the uh, home, uh, until recently, of of a purveyor and pro provocateur of lots of garage bands. I realize, oh, yeah, who's but, that? But Groove Shark uh, oh, okay. was out of Gainesville, and they they operated there until last summer when they closed closed up shop. But that was that was my music service. That's how I got my uh, my free. Yeah. That's how I beat the music companies until they <laughs> also got beaten by the music companies. That seems to be the trend <laughs> right. for these companies. <laughs> But one of the great existential challenges of our time is to continue to find new ways to beat the music companies. That's right. 
Absolutely. Who's beating whom in New Haven? What else we got news coming? Let's see. It looks like we have some graffiti. Not um, again. I thought I we were done with graffiti. I thought we sent them to Richmond. Yeah. And we saw that last week. Last week? Yeah, there's more yeah. graffiti in New Haven. There's more. In fact, uh, <laughs> the reason why this issue stuck out is because of uh, Becky Barrow, Von Barrow hops on. But quickly, graffiti uh, in Chatham Square. Um, That's too bad. The neighborhood has really worked hard in Chatham Square. Mm -hmm. I remember that from 25 years ago. There's been this effort, and they've made a lot of progress reclaiming that park. Yeah, but you know mm -hmm. what the real problem would be? If the graffiti existed and no one said anything about it. That's true. Mm -hmm. so in other words, or it's good if they liked all of it, and then and that'd be a different story. Yeah, yeah that's cool. That's yeah. a really good perspective, Ben. <clears throat> that's sort of like Gainesville's thank you for bugging us. Right. <clears throat> so, what do you, so what do you got, Caroline? Yeah, so the reporter is, uh, is called Quietly on Hugh Avenue, Quinnipiac Avenue, Civic Points, 4,100, viewed 39 times. The picture is of graffiti. Uh, it's a heart. It's a white heart that says, you... I can't see the last word, but it says you Mac um, from what I could, or love you Mac. There we go. Mm. Um, so at least there's just some good vibes going yeah, on. Yeah, some of that. Um, and graffiti, uh, description is just graffiti in center of Chatham Square. And Becky Bombero, who's our director of Parks and Recreation, hops on and says, thanks for reporting. This weekend was particularly tough for the city in terms of graffiti. Uh -huh. Thankfully, the weather mm. will allow us to start power washing to remove. Police department is also involved and are working diligently to identify the perpetrators. Mm. So that's kind of interesting. So there was a rash this weekend. Yeah. And so uh, hmm. now the poster identifies as Q Avenue. Chatham Square is not is on the other side of the river from Q Avenue. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, they must uh, they must commute through there, right? I mean, one of the things mm -hmm. we see is that, um, you know, your your neighborhood is not necessarily just the few houses next door, that's right? True. That's where you go in the, in the day. And it is walking distance. Yeah, and but, there's a beautiful park there. So I mean, one thing that's point that that is being pointed to there is that Chatham Square is a destination. Now, What's right? so cool too is it's such a mini, you know how you have these mini neighborhoods in New Haven like yeah. Trowbridge Square, Chatham Square, where they're like mini versions of the New Haven Green. Oh, that's amazing. And then you have on four corners or three corners, you have residential blocks that are self-contained. And then you have natural borders or major artery borders that hem that neighborhood in. Mm. And Chatham Square really is its own pocket in Fairhaven, kind of bordered by Lombard Street and um, Grand Avenue, mm. and then the water and Clinton Avenue. And it is centered around this beautiful park that they did reclaim. And not only do you have those streets around it, there are these alleys back from the days, I think before he had as many cars, mm. where streets like are named after the street that is near it and it goes behind the houses and you could coast through. It'd be, you know, it'd be fascinating to look across C-Click Fix at some of these uh, public assets where um, they were initially designed to be centers for civic activity and mm. open communication, like our are you know celebrated town green and then correlate that with the number of issues that are being reported around it and i wonder like so trobert square which was you know created by abolitionists in the 1800s mm. in the hill as sort of a model neighborhood they're going to do you might not as going to be there and here's my theory why chatham square when it got revived there was an activist who lives right there in the neighborhood smack neighborhood lee cruz yeah who was mr social media he's oh, yeah. all over mm -hmm. c click fix he's got a lot of civic points if there is going to mm -hmm. be a new social media platform invented lee's going to be on it before it launches that's right and so mm -hmm. he's used that to do old they do old-fashioned neighbor to neighbor contact when they really started getting chatham square going again as a neighborhood not just a park 10 years ago where they actually had old folks stuck in their neighborhood with young people going to talk to them and meeting them and having in-person meetings mm -hmm. but he also has used so effectively i've noticed social media to also mm. get people together there what about in gainesville now samantha what's the graffiti situation there lately you've been bombed yeah so we actually have a unique um 
wall where we allow graffiti in Gainesville. Mm. Um, it has a wiki page, so you can actually look it up online and see some pretty neat images. <laughs> but it's uh, the main thoroughfare through the city, 34th Street. There's a huge wall where uh, the city has allowed for graffiti and kind of tagging mm. to be placed. So it tends to, um, I think, congregate folks that are interested in participating in that art to that area um, and hopefully distracts people from uh, putting it in other places in this city. But it still happens, and our code enforcement department typically responds and inspects when it's on some type of public property, and they refer it out to – we have a local affiliate, uh, Keep Alachua County Beautiful, Mm. And it's a 501c3 nonprofit, and they work with volunteers to go clean up uh, graffiti and other visuals that aren't in appropriate spots in public places. I think they're they uh, actually, they're actually out of um, Stanford. I think the the national organization Keep America Beautiful. Yeah, you, I, yeah. I, you just hit on something, Paul. Do you do you see a correlation here? We knocked down our graffiti wall. Uh, a couple months ago, right? The the uh, public wall on Wall Street. I mean, it wasn't really a public wall. It was reserved for an exclusive set of, of artists. But wall goes down, graffiti goes up. I wonder if there's a correlation. Right. Did it go down in Gainesville? Like, how old is this wall you have, Samantha? And did you see a drop in complaints about graffiti when it went up? How long? Oh, I don't know. Let me... But do you see a correlation do you think there's less tagging elsewhere? You say it still exists. Because isn't part of the idea of some of the graffiti you do to go where you're not allowed? Mm-hmm. If, if the establishment to says, mark something that's come not on yours. this wall that's yeah. yours, isn't the whole point to go somewhere else where it's not yours? So it, it looks like it, we've, it was first painted in 1990. Oh. So, wow. Over, you guys are ahead you know, of the, yeah. Yeah, um, and the second part of your question, I couldn't quite hear you. I'm sorry. But it's okay. You know, I'm wondering, do you have standards? If someone prints, does lewd drawings or hostile, threatening words or just disgusting words, do you paint over that? Do you say that's not allowed? Who enforces the standards? Um, I don't think that the city does. So, no, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> It's I don't know, though. Yeah. And, uh, do people Super abide by standards? Is there anything gross on that wall? Do you have to drive and put your hand over your kid's eyes when you go by? Um, I'm sure occasionally that there is. I don't. It's it can be repainted on a you know daily basis. There's new things that pop up very frequently. Usually, I, we find that um, university students use it a lot for advertising. So, hmm. um, if there's something fun happening in their community, they'll you know post upcoming sporting events or student government elections or homecoming related activities. There's also often memorials posted. So it varies. Then there's kind of just unique art that's displayed. Cool. Did you have? Yeah, I'm just looking on Google Images, and you'll like this, Paul. Someone looks like someone painted "Feel the Burn" in very Ooh, large letters. Feeling the burn. Why do you think Paul would like that? Yeah. I don't know, I'm just wondering. <laughs> just a guess. Still in that bond hit moment of the campaign, <laughs> where everything's seeming possible. This is new world, and it's going to be wearing off. We know it's going to be wearing off, but somehow, and I understand this from my days when I understood what that felt like. I understand the bond hits last longer than they did when I knew about them last century. So I guess that's why Michigan happened last night, and the words went up on the wall. 
Mall in Gainesville, Florida. Well, thank you for joining us today on Dateline New Haven's C-Click Fix Radio. Thanks to Caroline Smith, the senior strategic planner for Gainesville, Florida, who has only nice words to say for citizens who want to make that city better. Thanks, as always, to Caroline Smith and Ben Berkowitz of C-Click Fix. Thanks to Yale New Haven Hospital for providing financial support for today's program. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing Eliyahu Hanavi from the group's 2002 CD, This is the Afro-Semitic Experience. This is Paul Bass wishing you a day full of, if not bong hits, the legal and healthy equivalent. Stay tuned all day to WNHH, your home for community radio for more local talk and music.